This is the High School Football America podcast for October 23rd, 2019. I'm Jeff Fisher. Time to travel to the Slate Belt in Pennsylvania, just beneath the Poconos, stuck between the Poconos and the Lehigh Valley, my hometown area, this Saturday. It will be the 100th playing of the rivalry game between Bangor and Penargel. Yes, it is going to be a dandy with these two towns that butt up against each other, button heads on the gridiron for the 100th time. Penargel leads the all-time series with uh, 50 wins to 45 for Bangor. There have been four ties. The Slaters of Bangor bring a two-game win streak into this one that goes all the way back to the early 20s with the first unofficial game being played in 1919, but the first Recognized game was played in 1922. This area of the country is known for its slate quarries. Yes, the uh, slate chalkboards and the the slate roofing uh, shingles. They all, a lot of them back in the day, came from uh, the Bangor, Pennsylvania area. And this one is going to be a fun one on Saturday as these two communities do it one more time, but this time for the century mark. All right, we're going to head to the slate belt now and talk to a, a guy that not only played in this great game between uh, Bangor and Penargel in the slate belt, uh, but he's also going to be officiating it uh, come uh, Saturday. He was chosen to be part of a special crew that uh, will uh, go out there and, and make sure that uh, the, the Green Knights and the Slaters put on quite a show. Uh, Kevin Labar, a good friend of mine, is on the line right now to talk about the 100th game between the Slaters and the Green Knights, and he is a former Slater. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. It's great to have you here. And, um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure where to start on this, but because we're uh, we're featuring this uh, completely on the podcast here, I'm going to let you be kind of a little bit of a Chamber of Commerce guy, a guy that played in the game. And, uh, you know, I talked a little while ago about, uh, you know, the slate belt and, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, when they had chalkboards back in the day, like when you and I were going to school, you know, that's where the slate came from and all that. But give the, the people a little snapshot of uh, what Bangor and Penargel were like. Like not necessarily the rivalry, but what the communities are like. Well, both communities are pretty much hardworking uh, towns. A little bit of businesses here and there. They really thrived back in the early 30s, 20s with the slate quarries. Both areas are small towns. I think Bangor has about 5,000 population. I'm not sure what Marjo is. It's smaller. But they all thrived with the just the slate quarries and the industries. And then your little mom and pop stores along the way. People are pretty much hardworking people. They're dedicated to their towns. That's why most of us have never really moved out of it. I mean, most of my friends I graduated with, they're still in town. People from Penarjo are still living in the town that they were from. So we just kind of keep a close-knit community throughout the whole thing. And the sleep out pretty much thrives because of everybody just staying in town and being what they are. Yeah, well, that's what I love about uh, my, my neck of the woods. And, of course, uh, when I was there back in 2010 up in uh, Rosetta, when you guys uh, there at Pius X were, were making a push for a state championship, uh, you guys opened your door to me, and I learned so much about it and some of the history. Let's let's also help you know the people around the country that are listening to this that don't know about Bangor and Penargel, and most people would probably mispronounce Penargel if they saw it spelled in front of them. Um, talk a little bit about the rivalry as you know it, and what I mean by 
by that is, you know, it was played on Thanksgiving before you got there up until about the mid-70s. Then and in, in when you played in the early 80s, it's uh, just the last game of the season. But how would you describe the rivalry, you know, when you were growing up, knowing that that was the game and, and, and how it evolved? And then talk a little bit about your time playing in the game and, and what it's like uh, to, to not only, you know, play in a game like that, but play in a game where the communities are literally butting up against each other. Well, it was always fun. I remember as a kid and my father always picking us Thanksgiving Day. That would be like her big thing. Mom be home making the turkey and she never liked the cold. So that's why we would just go and we would go to the game on Thanksgiving Day. It was kind of a fun time. We'd go out with dad and my brother and I and we'd just sit there, watch the game, cheer on the Slaters and usually watch the really good football games. It's one of those things that didn't matter what team had a better record at that point. It was just a matter of winning that game. And one team could be really bad one year and the other team good and Sure enough, the team that didn't have the better record actually won it. It was just one of those games that, you know, you thrive on it and the people thrive on it and the communities thrive on it. It also brings back a lot of alumni mm-hmm. to the area as well. So everybody's really happy because everybody gets to see each other. It's actually, I think, most of the time bigger than a homecoming game for a lot of other schools. This game actually brings people back more than homecoming does because, in fact, it is the biggest game that the schools play. And as far as being a member of it, uh, there's nothing like it. You actually prepare your whole year just to play that Marjo Banger game. So you just that's the only game that you want to win. You could lose them all, but that's the only one that you want to win. I mean, you want to win them all, but you can only win one. That's the one you want to win. You want to beat Penarjo. Yeah, that's one of the so, beauties you know, of the game. <laughs> played against friends. You know, we've been friends. I still have friends, you know, that we met on the field, and we are still friends to this day. It was just a, it's a great environment. The fans are great. People cheering and yelling. It's probably the most boisterous area you'll ever see is in the sleep out during that gate. Hundredth game coming up. Banger and Penardrill. Kevin Labar, a good friend who will be officiating in the game. He played in the game back in the uh, the early 80s. And uh, at that point in time, one of the all-time greats in Pennsylvania, certainly from the Lehigh Valley, but I think statewide, uh, Paul Farnan was your coach. Uh, I'm, I'm sure something along the lines as you get ready for this hundredth game, there's been talk of you know past players and past, past coaches. Tell me a little bit about Coach Farnan, what you remember about him, because he truly was one of those throwback old school guys, wasn't he? He, yeah, he, he wouldn't, by today's standards, with the way that everybody has to be PC, he would not be a coach. He probably wouldn't even be allowed on the school property. But as far as we were concerned, he was our mentor. He was the guy who we, we appreciated. We loved him. Hated him, of course. You know how you, you know, yep. your coach just rides you so much, but you also appreciate what he did for you, make you the man that you become. And that's what most of us had gotten out of it. We learned to be tough. We learned to take, you know, ridicule criticism and ridicule a little bit to a degree, you know, some of the stuff that he would do, but he also made us tough. I mean, we had an oak tree that we had to tackle. <laughs> it was a, the tree had to be there about a hundred years. And he would tell you, if he told you to go tackle the tree, you tackled the tree. <laughs> Nobody got it down yet. It's still there in between two practice fields, but it's still there. But he was just one of those guys that he told you to do it. You did it. You know, he, he commanded respect and he gave it back to you. But he would also be the first one there to to help you along the way, give you that little kick in the butt that you needed, and make you a better person. So he was just a, I don't know if you could say Renaissance man would be the way to go with it, but he Mm -hmm. was just one of those guys that was a good guy. Still in touch with him today, still see him around town. Again, 
most of us never leave the towns that we live in. We love our towns. So I see him around town. We're always talking, seeing, you know, seeing how he's doing and always talking about the games from years ago. Well, I'm trying to figure out how old is Coach because I thought he was old when he was there and you and I were kids. I mean, we're about five years apart on age. How old is Coach now? Uh, I'm going to say he's probably pushing 85, 87, 88, somewhere around there. Right. So there's, he'll be. will he be at the game on, on Saturday? Oh, I'm sure he will be. Oh, he will also be, be at the uh, banquet Thursday. There's a banquet for the teams and like alumni and stuff like that down at an area down in Bethlehem. Oh, cool. So he'll probably be there. I think he's one of the speakers. As a matter of fact, I'm almost positive he's one of the speakers and one of the other personnel that have actually been into the Hall of Fame that they're now doing. It's leading up to the game. That's great. The 100th game between Bangor and Penargel. I'm talking to Kevin Labar, who will be officiating the game. He's a uh, an alum for uh, for Bangor, and uh, you know one of the things that I picked up on because I do read the local papers a lot, especially leading up to this game and this interview, is there's a little bit of twist there. Speaking of the coaches, uh, you got a uh, a Penargel guy who used to be the head coach at Penargel, and now he's the head coach at Bangor. That's a little bit of a twist with Paul Reduzzi there. I know you're an official, so I don't need you to break it down too much, but that's got to cause a little bit of chit chat uh, leading up to this one, doesn't it? Well, in a way, yes and no. Um... Because Paul, yes, he was a Penarjo grad. I have played against him. He's also one of my brother-in-law's best friends because my wife's from Penarjo. So there's where that little community rivalry comes into play as well. <laughs> but we also, you know, have known each other for years. So yes, I know Paul. But then John Smith, on the other end, was actually an assistant coach at Bangor for probably five years or six years, and then he took over Penarjo School. So it was almost like a flip-flop in a way, and both guys are really good guys, good friends yes, of mine. They sure are. So it's it's one of those things that you, it, it builds it, but it doesn't build it that much. Like most people would think it would be, but because there's somebody who was coaching at Banger now, somebody who's at Penarjo now at Banger, it kind of makes it a little bit balanced in there. So everybody has like a little bit of everything. So it's kind of interesting how that worked out, but it's, it should just be an interesting game. I mean, both guys are good coaches, so I think the, the fans will enjoy it. Yeah. So, what 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 is the buzz? So you say you got the banquet uh, going on. What's what's been the buzz around town? Uh, circa uh, 2019. Uh, I guess the first game was back in 1922. Uh, I think it was like right around 20. I know there were two games that were not, or one game wasn't played somewhere around there. I think that was during like the end of World War One and stuff. There was like a couple breaks in there, from what I've. Re- read about in myself even I'm trying to be a history buff on this um so yeah but it's been like you know everybody's talking about it they're just everybody's doing something if you go on twitter or anything else you look at all the different things everybody's putting up old uh paper articles newspaper articles excuse me they're showing the videos that they've had from other games they're putting old clips together and making a video out of that on youtube it's just been a, a pretty neat thing to actually just sit there and watch and look back at all the different ones especially the guys with the leather helmets <laughs> like like, like in your now. day right you played <laughs> yes. under life well but but they didn't have film back when no wait a second you're not that old i'm just teasing i'm sorry i didn't mean yeah, the guy sitting there winding there. it with a hand hand crank wheel, <laughs> you know recording it yeah the little squirrel running around <laughs> in a wheel there to make the the projector go around all that good well i i can imagine it, it, it there's a lot of excitement there and then you know tell me what it was like uh well let's just kind of start with the fact that there is a special officiating crew uh before we rolled the tape here you said basically uh everybody was looking to 
find you know officials in the area that that had a connection to the game. So tell the listeners a little bit about the officiating crew and and how that was put together, and obviously you're part of that. Well, they had sent out the athletic directors have gotten together and they've done a fantastic job with everything so far. The coaches and the school districts, the school board, they were looking for officials that are from the sleep out area to do this game because it is such a big game, a hundred game. They were looking for officials from the area. Two guys that were selected or asked to do it declined. Um, one, his son plays for Banger and the other one is a teacher at Banger. So mm-hmm. respectfully, they declined. And we were talking and everybody was trying to find people. So basically what ended up happening is these seven officials, there are two Bangor graduates, two Penardio graduates, and two graduates from Bias to 10th, which is the local Catholic school right up the road in the Slate Belt. And then one guy is from the Eastern area, which still has connections to the Slate Belt. So it kind of worked out interesting and different how that you got all these different referees, but we're all from the same area. Yeah, no, that's 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 really neat. Now, uh, you also shared with me that, uh, and, and and you know we're we're good enough friends. I can say you know uh, you're, you're you you got a you got a body on a mother could love there. But I understand you're going to be dressed up kind of kind of kind of differently for the hundredth game. It's a little bit of a throwback outfit there. Uh, tell tell the people about uh, you know who it's it's like the red carpet. Who are you wearing, Kevin? <laughs> I'll be wearing uh, my white knickers that we had worn back up until I believe it was 96, 97, we were wearing the white knickers and the white socks with the black stripes. So those are going to be worn again. It'll be a throwback style uniform for a throwback kind of game. Uh, They bought us all, the school districts have gotten together and they got us all jerseys with the the rivalry logo on them. So that something that we can keep as officials to always remember this by that we were part of this, you know, this tradition that's been going on and this big game that is going to happen. So I thought it was a pretty neat idea to go back to the old school uniforms. I, I love it. I'm assuming the, the, the both teams are wearing some throwbacks, right? Do, have, have you seen them yet? I mean, are they cool looking? What, what's, uh, have you seen any snapshots uh, or something? I have. Uh, the uniforms are pretty much basic because if you remember back in the day, uniforms didn't really, they weren't about the style like you see, like the Oregon Ducks and everybody else having to have the new fancy uniforms with bright letters, bright colors. They're just plain basic uniforms. They're maroon shirts for Banger with three white stripes on the sleeve. Penardo will be wearing white with green stripes on the sleeve. So they're just basically throwback uniforms, nothing much it's, it's actually going to be pretty neat to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, and I'm, I'm a little offended that you were inferring that I would remember back to those days when you said you might remember. I, I'm not that old there, Kevin. You're uh, no, just <laughs> Kevin Labar on the line here. We're talking about the 100th game, Penargil and Banger. He is going to be part of a, a special officiating crew. Uh, Penargil uh, leads the all-time series, 50 wins to 45 for the Slaters, four ties. Banger has won the last two, and you know what? I, be, I, I don't want to let off any of the other guys i'm sure you can rattle off the names of the other guys in your crew so let's give them a little bit of props who are the the other guys that'll be officiating with you um, yeah the, the head referee will be joe diorio he is the one of the pious graduates the umpire will be barry schaefer he's from the eastern area the head linesman will be larry eichlin who is a banker graduate the line judge will be tommy singer who is a penardo graduate back judge will be craig reduzzi who is a penardo graduate and then i am the side judge for the game 
Yeah, that's uh, so those, those are the seven. <laughs> those those names stick out to me. Obviously, I get homesick when I start talking Lehigh Valley football here. So uh, I'm not going to ask you, of course, to to pick a winner. That would be inappropriate with the official on the line right now. But um, uh, just you know, as we as we wrap up this segment, I have one more question for you about officiating. But uh, what what um, would you say um, going into this game has you kind of pumped up as a guy that's in charge of making sure the game is played? well and fairly i'm just looking forward to the kids playing hard um i love football i love the game of football i really just love to see a great game being played well by both teams and the kids hard fought hard hitting nothing dirty nothing cheap just play hard play to win do everything that you can to help your team I'm just looking forward to that i believe it's just going to be one of those games that it's just going to be a hard fought game in the trenches and that's who's going to come out the winners, whoever can win in the trenches. Yeah. The other yeah. team is really high scoring. I believe that it's going to come down to that little area where the linemen are going to make the difference in the game. Well, it's the hundredth game. It's going to be a lot of fun. And before we let you go, Kevin, I, I said to you before we started rolling the tape here a little bit, I wanted to kind of get your thought. One of the things that you know, high school football America has written a lot about over the the last several years is the lack of numbers for you guys in the stripes. It is not an easy job. Uh, no one is ever going to retire on what you guys get paid. You're under a, a more and more pressure as the years go by. The numbers drop. I'm just curious what it's what it's like in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania in general. General, are you guys struggling for numbers to bring in, you know, some new blood in that? Uh, tell the the, the, the fellow uh, stripers around the country what it's like uh, in a very good place for high school football. Uh, it's pretty much like everywhere. We're having a hard time replacing people that either re- either leave because of jobs and moving out of the area, or guys that are just retiring from doing it. It's just a it's a tough occupation to do. It's a lot of time away from family. It's for myself. It's ten to twelve weeks every Friday night. Then I'm away. Um, fortunately, I have a great wife that actually accepted it and knows this is one thing that I like to do. And I'm going to give a shout out to Tracy it. because you're not you haven't done it yet. So yeah, your wife is Tracy. She's a great person. She's the better half of. of but anyway, go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like you know, so it's it's time away, and that's that's a hard part. I mean, you're spending sometimes you know, like I'm leaving my house at four o'clock to get to a game, and I'm not going home till ten ten thirty, sometimes eleven, depending upon the game. So you're away from the family a lot during this time of year. So a lot of guys are changing for that reason. It's also the fact that, you know, we're adding more officials. I know when I first started, we used to just use five-man crews. Now we're doing seven-man crews, which is what the NFL is using, the same seven setup. And we're just stuck in the middle where we don't have enough officials to cover the games in the area. And we have Alley with seven-man. And then the other league that is part of us, which is Colonial League, they use five. So Upwards of 100 officials are being used on a Friday. Mm-hmm. We're also using officials for on a clock now that they accepted the 40-second uh, play clock rule. So now we have officials doing the clock as well. So now you're looking at probably like 120 officials being used on a, on a Friday night. Some of them are getting burned out. They can't make it. They have jobs, which we all have to work. And again, the other thing is just the time lane. Looking at the money that you're getting isn't always the best. Mm-hmm. But some of us do it, like myself, I do it because I love the sport. I like getting out, running around. It's a good time. You get to know a lot of good coaches, a lot of good people. And then again, there's other guys that are leaving because of the the coaching, that they don't like the yelling in their ear. They don't like getting yelled at. 
you know, it depends. It takes a certain personality to be able to do that kind of a job and deal with coaches, fans, players. Yeah, you got to have a a tough skin, basically, is what it comes down to. And some guys just don't have that. No, and, you know, I, I talk about this all the time, you know, when I hear people in the stands or even coaches, you know, really riding a guy. You know, they, they, it is part of the game. There's no doubt about that. But it, it, I, in my opinion, and I've been saying this for years, it's out of control. Uh, I guess the last question I have for you on that is, is what is the answer? I mean, how do you infuse new blood with all those, I'm going to just call them negatives for lack of a better word, with all of those negatives, you know, on the, if you, if you look at, you know, should I become an official, you got to pro and a con list and there's a lot of con on there there is but i I still think that if you enjoy the sport and you've played the sport and you know you can no longer do it of course we all get older and knees go and everything else but you could still be out there being a part of the game and if you really enjoy the game i suggest going to your local state area like for us it's the piaa pennsylvania owners scholastic athletic association signing up become an official, get the rule book, read the rule book, take the test, become an official, find somebody to mentor you is going to be the key thing. I think a lot of times these guys are just thrust into situations. They don't know how to handle it because nobody was actually there to mentor them. Whereas I think the chapters have to do a better job of getting people mentored with somebody who's been doing it for years. And this way they can start to develop. They can see how they handle coaches. They can see how they handle situations and they could be better, and then their job would be even easier for the fact that they didn't have to struggle by just being thrown into the game one day and saying, look, you're going to be a varsity official, and this game moves so fast anymore. It's not like years ago when it was just run, run, run. Now mm-hmm. it's passing. It's the re-option. It's everything that you have to be looking for. And they can have somebody mentor them and make it actually better for them so that they can actually do their job better and enjoy the game and then stick around and stay longer. Well, Kevin, I really, uh, it's good to hear your voice. I, uh, I wish I was back home to see uh, the 100th game between uh, Bangor and Penargel, but I know you're going to do a wonderful job of officiating you and your crew there and just uh, enjoy what is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a, a true community celebration of uh, the great sport of football. So have a, have a blast on Saturday. Uh, I'm expecting to be loud and, and rambunctious. They've already sold over some 5,000 tickets to this game. And Bangor Stadium is not is that big. But I, I was going to say, where are you putting those like, people? There's a, eight <laughs> deep on the track, ten deep on the track? <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do, but they have a lot of people. I mean, they've been pre-selling tickets for a long time. and So, yeah, they're up to like 5,000 tickets sold. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Kevin, again, a- appreciate your friendship and enjoy the game on Saturday. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. Go to HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com to learn more about the banger penargel rivalry, where we also have every score from every one of the first 99 games. That's going to do it for today. I'm Jeff Fisher, and this is the High School Football America podcast.